صباح الخير جود مورنينج دي ليسنز يو ليسنينج تو راديو 3 سي ار اون 855 Palestine Remembered is Australia's only English language radio program that is totally dedicated to Palestine. We'd like to welcome those listening on 855 and those that will join us on podcast at 3cr.org.au. Thanks for joining us. Stay with us and enjoy the episode. Bringing you the news and views and the untold side of the Palestinian struggle for freedom from a Palestinian perspective. Good morning, Rob. How are you doing? Mate, I'm doing very well. How are you? Rob, before we introduce our guests, we should remind our listeners how important uh, subscribing to 3CR is. 3CR gives Palestine a platform through the show Palestine Remembered. So go to 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe, 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe, or you can call in 94198377, 94198377, press 1. Speak to one of the operators. Tell them how much you love our show. Register, subscribe. Well, we really need your support. It's the only radio station in Australia, definitely, that's dedicated to Palestine. So definitely important to keep us going. Absolutely. And fantastic support from 3CR. And we thank them sincerely. But this morning, we are joined by a couple of young Palestinian superstars out of the United States. We have Amina and Hussein Musa. Good morning, guys. Hey, Nasser and Rob. How's it going? Hey, guys. Nice to meet you. Welcome. So great for you to join us. A pleasure to meet you both and so excited to talk about your brand, Pally Roots, and we're going to talk about brand, the genesis, et cetera, in a second. And we'll put a link, listeners, in the podcast so you can go straight to their uh, website and buy some of the most fantastic Palestine stuff you've ever seen. And Amina, perhaps you might start with, you're a Palestinian-American, and that's not a natural state for a Palestinian. Palestinians are supposed to be in Palestine. Why don't you share your Nakba story with us, how you ended up there? So I was actually born in Jerusalem. I have a Palestinian citizenship. And every summer we would go to Palestine just to learn more about our roots and, you know, play with some sheep, to garden, you know, pick out some fruits. So we really are invested into our roots and our identity. You know, the Nakba begins with my grandfather, Sidor Hassan. Hassan here, my brother is named after him. It's a cultural thing. I'm named after my grandmother from my father's side. My grandfather at the time living in Turmus Aya, he would, you know, he had brothers and wanted a better opportunity for his family. The first intifada was at a peak and there was no food, no money to take care of his siblings and his, you know, his brothers and his sisters and his family. So he, out of all of his brothers, left Palestine to find a way to actually survive and allow his family to survive. You know, he, like many Palestinians who left Palestine, he traveled to an island called Gran Canaria by a boat to hop on a, a cargo ship to travel across the Atlantic Ocean. And his final destination was Peru. A lot of Palestinians left Palestine and went to Southern American countries. Uh, and my grandfather chose Peru. We selling knives and blankets off of the streets, you know, became friends with some locals there, learned how to speak Spanish and found his way to Puerto Rico, where getting a citizenship or, or American citizenship is most likely to happen. He actually fell in love in Puerto Rico with a Puerto Rican woman. I think four years into their marriage, they ended up getting married and he got a citizenship and the relationship didn't work out. So he left to go back home to grab his brothers 
and open up a store in Puerto Rico. Yeah, he basically had like built an empire there with his father-in-law at that time and a couple of other partners in the family. They owned like really massive grocery stores in, in Puerto Rico. Yeah, so, it's called Olivio. You know, he went from being, you know, a typical farm boy, just kind of like in secluded villages in Palestine, which is why, you know, we weren't directly affected by the Nakba in, in a sense of like, you know, our descendants weren't like necessarily forced to be uh, kicked out of their homes like other uh, Palestinians, you know, who in 1948 were displaced, 750,000 of them. So we have the luckily to still be able to go to Palestine and to visit the land. But that's something that we know, you know, that we know that not everybody has. Yeah, yeah. yeah privilege to you know to do basically yeah from from there you know you know continue the story you get a citizenship yeah owned a store and then uh, fell in love with my grandmother and got married to her my father was born in puerto rico so my entire family from my mom's side and my dad's side actually speak perfect spanish and you'll probably notice a lot of palestinians also speak spanish whether they're first or second generation immigrants there's some type of spanish influence since that's what was, I guess, the status quo. Oh, yeah. go to Southern America. There is money and opportunity there. And then you'll find your way into the U.S. And it's and the thing is, my grandfather was 15 at the time. So I can't even imagine being 15. getting incredible. Only $50 in his pocket. He skidded. <laughs> he yeah. found us, you know, somehow found a way. And, and he would, and he would talk about years. stories about how, you know, he would, you know, him and his friends, you know, like when you're going through something like that, and especially when you're in that generation and you're first to come to the, you know, to America, you know, the, the new land where there's, you know, the American dream, right? You know, you're going to run out of money. There's no way that you won't run out of money. So you have to rely on some kind of like brotherhood. So that's how it was like, like one day you don't have money, no food, your brother will cover you, he'll buy you a sandwich, you know, it's, and it's incredible to see how, you know, they had that, that alliance together, you know. At that age too. Yeah. And it's, and I think that's what made, you know, made it possible for them to come and to thrive into a, you know, into a country like America. We should also say the reality of them being able to thrive in a place like America speaks to the industriousness and entrepreneurship and strength of the Palestinians and why we're going home, but we should always remember that. Yeah. Of course. I mean, that, that's really the mission and that's what he did in his life. I mean, he made his money and he retired and he's staying there and living there. He does, that's, that's really what he want, what he wanted ultimately is to be able to live in his land, but there's no opportunities there. The wages are the lowest in the world till today. I think over 70% of the population is unemployed. The occupation is a direct impact. It's a very real impact. And you can see that when you talk about whether it's the number of Palestinian students studying law in the States or the uh, entrepreneurs around the world who are Palestinian backgrounds, the success of the Palestinian, the overachievement of Palestinians is Ahmed Zahad, you know, talks, you know, Palestinians are way overachievers. And it's because we are determined and uh, have a great capacity and intellect uh, willingness to, but under Zionism, under apartheid, in our own land that's denied us. So we thrive everywhere else. This is why Zionism needs to continue to oppress us because they know that they can't win. But we're going home. We keep saying that. Which is, I mean, Hassan, why don't you talk to us about the genesis of the brand, the the T-shirts? I mean, there's such cool, funky stuff. And those uh, people who are listening in Melbourne, when you come along to our protests, whenever you see me chanting, wearing those cool, funky Palestine tops and hats, and you know, this is where I get them from. Uh, well, I think, you know, the gist of really why we decided to go and focus on a Palestinian brand rather than any other brand. Because we know before we got into Pali Roots, we knew it's like, okay, this is a very niche market. 
you know, we don't know where this is going to go. We don't know how people are going to react to it. It was almost kind of like a risk. Um, but our grandfather, the one who migrated, you know, all the way across the world, Sidi uh, Hassan, he told us, he's like, I did not leave my family and my land and travel across the world and try to find a better life for you guys just to stay here and take up all the privileges and the opportunities. Create something that helps our people back home. He's like, use the privileges that I've sacrificed to bring to you guys and take those privileges and build projects for Palestine. And we thought, you know, I think that's a wonderful idea. And my father being such a big inspiration and a man who loves his roots so much, we decided that this was the path that we wanted to do because passion is truly instilled into our identity. And we knew that being innovators and entrepreneurs, that we can create something really, really beautiful that the community can enjoy and eventually actually expand into bringing pro-Palestinians that are not Palestinians, but Palestinian by heart to come and support. Because essentially, that's truly the route that we feel is a stronger form of liberation for Palestine, is getting other people involved outside of the Palestinian community to support us. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the whole Path of Roots brand was created not necessarily just for Palestinians. And that's like been the intention since the start of the brand. That's why I feel like we're successful today is because we wrote up our values. We wrote up that, you know, the identity of the brand and why it's created and the purpose and the intention, the mission, the vision, right? And it's stuck since 2016. It hasn't changed one bit. So our mission is to bring awareness to the world about the Palestinian culture through arts and through our clothing. And then our vision is to preserve the Palestinian culture, right? So that's the long-term effect of it. And we always thought about how do we make other people feel like they're a part of it? People are not Palestinians. How can they feel like I can wear that shirt and I'm going to proudly represent it, right? We started thinking about it. We're like, you know, people may not care about Palestine, but they care about what's happening to the Palestinians. Because if we can reflect to what's happening to them, they can reflect it back to, you know, to themselves. So for example, being, you know, living in a world where you feel divided, right? Like there's separation, whether it's through family, you might feel divided through your family. You know, you guys don't agree with each other. You fight. There's a division there, right? Um, or for example, like, you know, going into like our, you know, the new collection that we're launching censored, you know, Palestinian voices are being censored on social media. It's a fact, right? We've seen it, we experienced it, our whole entire community can vouch for it, right? But the story isn't about Palestinian voices are being censored. It's about people's voices are being censored. How would you feel if you were censored? You know, so that's kind of like how I feel like the narrative needs to be played out is like let them reflect upon that issue with what they've experienced in their past there's so many times where you probably felt voiceless in your life whether it's from your family relationships your business partners you know where you couldn't say what you wanted to say it's not a good feeling so we were like thinking like how can we correlate this cause in a way where people can understand it for themselves because if i tell you hey palestinian voices are censored they probably don't care They're like i live in america i'm not censored here you know i can say whatever i want but if i were to tell them like hey how would you feel if you're like you know voiceless in your community today you can't say a word it's different you know now it's about them so you have to make the cause related to them personally and that's how we believe that people will support the palestinian movement right they're great conversational starters too aren't they if you're wearing a t-shirt someone come up and ask you know what, what about palestine and it starts a good conversation absolutely and it's actually amazing because i i actually deal with i go through these experiences a lot where somebody is like like i was wearing a shirt that we saw called the poppy uh, long sleeve which is you know the national flower of palestine right and it's like a beautiful embroidered shirt with the right here it says the national flower of palestine on the cuff so, you know, we're very technical designers. So it's, it's a really attractive shirt. 
And the guy uh, at the gas station was like, man, can you tell me what's going on in Palestine? Like, he, it's like, it's like, he seemed like he wanted to ask this question for such a long time. So he's like, seriously, please tell me what's going on. Like, I see what's going on. I know they're, their land's being taken over. Like they got some kind of context, but they still have no clue. It's funny because I usually don't bring up that it's like my shirt or my brand. I just like to just push them to the brand and kind of have them like, you know, explore and learn for themselves. But these conversations happen even with me, I, you know, about the, the clothing that we create, which is incredible because I'm like, I'm, I imagine how many other people are experiencing that as well. Um, so you're absolutely uh, right, Robert. The the clothing really, really tells a lot about you. It's what you represent ultimately, right? But we do it in a very beautiful, minimalistic, some, you know, at times some things are loud, but I feel like we do it in a way where like it, pieces are so unique and different. The attractiveness of the shirt is what really brings conversation to people, you know? And yeah. sometimes how bold it is. Maybe like sometimes we have a shirt that just says Palestine this big right in the front, right? And the back has like this whole entire story or a poem. And these are the kind of things that we believe that through clothing you wear and hair, it tells a story, story about, about who you are, who right? You are. Well, not, not only do you do great uh, shirts, I mean, you, you've, you're helping. I mean, every time someone buys something from your store, you're donating money. Tell us about that. Because the amount of money you've, you've raised is incredible. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely, you know, something that we still you know, can't believe, <laughs> to be honest with you, because, you know, it's it's not easy for anyone to raise that kind of funds. Um, you have to have, I feel like you have to have like enormous influence and, and trust. And that, and I think that's what we've done really good as a brand is like telling people like, hey, we know where's the best places to donate, where's the best places you can find the information that you need. And believe it or not, people believe, trust Pally Roots more than nonprofits in our community. Tell us the amount of money, because I know what it is, but I think you better tell our listeners how much you've raised since 2016. Are the exact number? <laughs> well, the exact number's on your website, and it's probably not quite up to date, so I reckon Yeah, we more. put it, Robert, we, even, we put it to the cent. <laughs> or like two cents. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> At, right now, it's about 2.8 million, approaching three. We're so passionate about the way that we give back, is that we, we have two different ways that anyone can support Palestine through donation efforts. One is obviously through the Pally Roots Meal program and I will tell you a little bit more about how we came about you know how we came about that idea and why we started it and the second way that we give back is through high impact campaigns called Pally Roots Funds Projects so if there's an emergency that's happening in Palestine or something that we want to provide in terms of having the community support us without having to buy anything we undergo a whole charity project that lasts about 45 days so people can donate especially during holidays like Ramadan but we've done about 22 high impact projects uh, to date from like, you know, providing children with chemotherapy drugs to help them uh, with the treatment and fight cancer. Uh, we've done backpack projects. We have a water tanker that is in Gaza since 2019. Just on that, I, I saw on your website that I think it's 97% of Gazans rely on bottled water. And I, I didn't know that. that. That is a sickening amount. So the fact that you're doing that too is, is fantastic. Just for a moment, let's go back to Gaza. The reality is that Gaza's desalination plant was bombed by the Israelis. The Israelis haven't allowed the repair material to go in. So there is no desalination plant. The water aquifer that sits under Gaza has been drained by legal Israeli settlements neighbouring Gaza. The refugees within Gaza don't have water because now the water table sits lower than the Mediterranean Sea. So the water is actually saline, it's salty water. These people that are suffering the highest incidences of kidney disease on earth are kids 
in Gaza because they're having being forced to bathe in water that's salty, food that's washed or kitchen implements that are cleaned in saline water is impacting mothers whilst they're pregnant. And these people can see the lands, these Palestinian refugees in Gaza in the world's largest open-air prison can see their ancestral lands being irrigated by their ancestral water. We should continue to remember and remind our listeners about the ongoing human catastrophe that is Gaza, a man-made Zionist catastrophe. You can see it very clearly, clearly, especially in the settlements. I mean, they're the most luscious, you know, green landscapes, manicured lawns, you know. People like- are jumping, jumping in water. I mean, the UN did a report about four or five years ago with respect to water. The average amount of water a human being needs on Earth to shower, to eat, etc. It's about 100 litres per person per day. Uh, The settlements in East Palestine, average illegal squatter settler Zionist gets 220 litres a day. The Palestinians in East Palestine, and these are, you know, well off with respect to water compared to a Gazan, they're on 40 litres a day. And those 40 litres are tank water. They're not plumbed to the Israeli water system like the settlements are where they can just turn on a tap and drink and use as much water as they want, fill up their pools, water their lawns, Palestinians have to buy water that ends up being on tanks in their roofs. I remember showering Berlin. I'm used to a decent shower, but this was like a a couple of drops coming out. But you could see through the window, you could see the settlements and you could see the pools. And the reality just slaps you in the face that you're using this water that's like a, a drip from a tap. That's it. But blatant that the Palestinians can see it. Yeah, it's such a precious commodity, Rob. You realise oh. how much people value water when you're in East Palestine. Yeah, and we, we experienced this also firsthand. I mean, go to our grandma's house and, oh, they cut the water, you know, switch to the to the water tanks on the roof, you know, from the from the rain and stuff mm. like that. You know? And this is like in a good area, yeah. you know. Like, and it's funny because there's not very many, <laughs> you know, in, in Palestine, you know, but the, the town that we come from, you know, you know, the people there, you know, they, they travel, they, you know, they're, they're travelers. Yeah. They've been to the United States. Zionism so. hasn't quite got there yet. That's the only difference. Yeah, not yet. I mean, they, it's they, almost, it's approaching. It's Yeah, it's getting there. They're already taking over people's uh, Olive trees know, lands and, and lands. stuff like that. So. Yeah. We're from Der de Buen, and forever Der de Buen was like, you know, it's the Hollywood of uh, the West Bank, East Palestine. And, you know, they would tell their kids, don't go to the protests. We're okay. We're okay. And I remember years ago saying, you, you know, they're coming. They're on their way. They're not here yet, but they're on their way. Der de Wayne got cut off from the freeway into Jerusalem. So they used to, all the Americans, yeah, could go on Friday and go pray at Oxford. And they got cut off from the uh, highway. So what was a six or seven minute journey suddenly became one hour on donkey tracks and, you know, <laughs> denied the, the freeway. And then it's okay, you know, it takes a little bit longer, but alhamdulillah, you know, everything's all right. But then that, somebody lost a farm and then somebody's house got demolished because it was too close to the freeway and you might be able to shoot a driver going past and now it's not quite properly there but now they're tasting it yeah and for the years of silence now they're suffering that's unfortunate i mean i was born in jerusalem and every year that i go i'm denied entering my own birth city yeah just because i have a palestinian hawiya like they're like nope go and i'm like okay but i have a palestinian you know american passport and he even says like things like oh we don't care about american americans and i'm like oh okay but yet we fund you like you know, my, you know, where I, where I live is literally funding you, you know, you don't care about yeah, Americans no, I remember either. My and, and your accent's more American than mine. Where are you from? I'm from Brooklyn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, my uncle too, they grabbed this passport one time and they threw it on the ground and started stepping on it. And That's an American passport. Just to show like it doesn't matter. 
you know they don't care and it's and that's the truth and they man. don't and unfortunately the world's given them the open license to do what they want so yeah. you know why wouldn't they keep doing it why wouldn't they step it up no one's stopping them yeah but yeah. the world is watching now i think times have changed and i think we're we're a few days i don't want to say a few days closer <laughs> hopefully a few years closer to where we will actually see a liberated palestine where we 100 right Let, i mean just before we move on from that point and move on to where you are now because this is where pally was really is doing its great work Going back to Israeli soldiers standing on Palestinian passports, I mean, it was only a, a few weeks ago that Aliyah Hamar Assad, you know, 78 years old, in the middle of the night, been playing cards at his family's uh, friend's house, driving home the Israeli soldiers, 18, 19-year-old conscripts, pull him out, tie him up, 80 years old, in the cold. I mean, we know it's snowing in January in Palestine. Sit him there. And then for whatever reason, they decide to leave. They don't uncuff him. They don't check on his well-being. And when the Palestinians got themselves free, he was, he'd passed away. He'd actually passed away, a 78-year-old American. I mean, this is, this is the depravity of the occupation. Now, they can kill, the Israelis, the Zionists, kill Palestinians with impunity. But they've actually killed an American with impunity. I mean, these soldiers will get, you know, a slap on the wrist. This convicted Israeli fraudster, Shimon Hayut, he tricked women into believing he was some millionaire son of uh, an Israeli diamond dealer. He got $10 million out of these people. And he got less time in an Israeli jail than a Palestinian child gets for throwing a rock at a tank. $10 million. They made a Netflix movie out of it. So moving on, the best thing about the amnesty report is that it acknowledges that me, a person who was not born in Palestine, who doesn't have a hawir, whose connection is to his father who has passed, that I am subject to the apartheid that is Israel. The two of you with hawirs are, you know, it's much, you're much closer to the apartheid than I am and my children who are born in Australia. One of the things that um, Amnesty does by saying that stuff is it creates space for polite conversation, you know, not, not radicals, not you crazy left-wing uh, people talking about Palestine and Palestinian rights, et cetera, and human rights, but more normal inverted common people. You're not the right-wingers to go, there's no such thing as a Palestine. And that's where Pallyroot sits, creates conversation. Let's talk about the censored collection. And listeners, we're talking to Amina and Hussein Musa from Pallyroots, pallyroots.com. The link will be in the podcast. Talk about censored. Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, we're it's launching uh, February 22nd, uh, which is on 2 22. Uh, so, we did it purposely. So, it's memorable. <laughs> nice. Remember. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I mean, tell them a little bit more about the censored collection, how it came about, how long we, you know, yeah. we worked on this. So, during the uprising in May, there was just so many beautiful artworks being put up that portray the truth of Palestine, um, whether it's cultural portraying, you know, or humanizing the Palestinians or a political inspired artwork. There's very select few that caught my eye. And, you know, I reached out to the artist and I'd be like, hey, you know, your post went down. What happened? Like, oh, you know, it was removed by, you know, Instagram. And I said, you know what, let's do something. Let's get your shirt, your design on a shirt. So you'll never be censored. Because essentially, if you wear it and you're wearing it publicly, you, you know, no media platform is going to go and delete it off of your shirt. It's your way of gateway of, of connecting. And then it happened to another artist and another artist. And I was like, wow, there's so many of them. I can only do six right now. <laughs> and I picked the six artists that I found their artwork really intriguing and, and beautiful, especially Liberation Day is probably 
uh, one of my favorite ones. But we've worked with these artists and, and you know, put them on shirts. And that's where censorship, the idea of it came about. Yeah. But they're honestly really beautiful shirts. And being a fashion designer, I'm very technical and I care about quality and design. And we found ways to take their designs, integrate it, make it really, really loud, have a statement to them and allow those that see that design to ask the right questions or just to even ask a question and to start that conversation. So what we're really telling our community is this collection, the purpose of it isn't just for you to walk around and da da da. It's your opportunity. It's like a gateway to create a conversation with people around you. Yeah. Essentially, word of mouth is the greatest way of getting people to learn more about Palestine. Yeah, but the real the real inspiration behind the you know collection itself was the censorship of our voices on social media as Palestinians and Palestinian supporters, right? Mm -hmm. So we experienced being censored and everybody in their own way, right? So the way Palaroots did is we were, um, or they basically banned us from our Instagram shop. So for 10 months, we couldn't shop on, you know, people couldn't shop and buy stuff on, oh, on Instagram, Instagram okay? Which technically we're a brand, you know, we should be able to have this privilege. We're not, you know, we're legitimate. We've been out for five years and every time we speak with support, they just, would ignore us oh we'll let you know we'll let you know we'll let you know and literally we have hundreds of these emails and so they so yeah the facebook shop was shut down they took off our instagram guides feature they blocked us from going on live during the hottest moments where we were capturing on live with groups of palestinians supporters right so we have like pages like ion palestine uh munal kurd all these amazing figures we were going on live with them and showcasing because, you know, we were trying to put all of our numbers together and show that broadcast of what's going on there. And, and we, did that every, we did that every night for like two weeks. And then one day they just shut down the account or shut down the live feature. We were blocked from going on live. And we, I think the worst thing of all was we weren't allowed to send messages or, yeah, to send any DMs. So completely cut communication with our community. So for a whole two weeks, we were like, we don't really know what to do. We can't post. We can't DM anybody. And we have people that DM us like, you know, where's my order? It's like, it's not the time. <laughs> it's not that time right now. But we still have to represent us as a brand as well and take care of our customers that are buying from us. But we couldn't even respond back and let them know. Yeah, DMs or were taken away. What else was taken away? Our Facebook ad account was, was blocked. So we couldn't even take down ads that we had to give a spotlight to Palestine. Because at the time, we weren't focusing on selling. We were focusing on strictly showcasing the truth. It was a wonderful opportunity for Palestinians yeah. to work together and to be united. And, and it was crazy because there was a post that we made about protests all around the world, right? And it was just like a you know, slideshow. It's like London, just like different parts, Algeria, and like a, a slide, you know, slide post. And that one was taken down for dangerous organizations. Oh. Hey, I still have an I still have a screenshot and it's still on Instagram showing that this post was taken down because of dangerous organizations. These are people on the streets. <laughs> you know, like yeah. like that's the thing that's really mind blowing about it is that it's actual people in the streets who are but they're you know fighting speaking out and speaking up for power. Just pro rights, human fighting, rights. Fighting for human rights, you know, and um it's just that was that was like really wild. And then another thing that happened was PayPal sent us this like basically like a warning ban, you know, like we're about we're going to terminate your account kind of thing. We're sending a transaction labeled as Palestinian blog. We were okay? we a blog, right? We made a payment for a Palestinian blog. And they're like, please describe to us what the word Palestinian means here. 
and, and literally like I sent in my response to explain to them like Palestinians are people that you know like, <laughs> ridiculous question it's a ridiculous question then they denied it they denied my response so they were like you have to respond again and I'm like and then I literally my next thing was like I'm not like I don't know what you guys want like this is literally <laughs> what it is you know so they they removed the ban or whatever like it was fine but like it was just like a lot of things that we were hearing from other people and posts being taken down like well I look forward to wearing these uncensored shirts Yep, and that's why we created the censored collection to show the world that, like, you know, we're being censored, and uh, you know, social media platforms need to do better. They need to do better. And the one thing uh, we have to wrap it up now. Amina, thank you so very much for joining us. The one thing that we have untold reserves of is resilience and strength. And the two of you are in the embodiment of that, and you are a testament to Palestine and a real God bless your grandfather and and your. I was going to say, be proud. <laughs> be so very proud of you both, uh, Amina Hassan. The, uh, the best revenge is massive success. Keep on doing what you're doing. Thank you, Absolutely. thank you so much, guys. We really appreciate you, and we're happy to be on. If you guys want to check us out, follow us. Go to paddleroots.com or find us on social media as well, where we post amazing content for you guys to learn more about Palestine. Yeah, and most importantly our Paleroots meal program our yes. program feeds children in Gaza and we actually have a menu going up of what we've been feeding them but we're trying to help children in school stay healthy stay focused and build our future generation into the right direction through sustainable projects fantastic well done thank, thank you. you thank you so much that was the amazing Amina and Hussein Musa fantastic Palestinians out of the United States doing wonderful work make sure you check out their website paleroots.com I'll put a link in the podcast. Thanks for listening. Share the podcast. And remember, there's never been a better time for a free Palestine.